0: Welcome to a special edition of Podcast on Fire, where we will be joined by author Steve Kerridge, who has over 40 years of training and teaching in the martial arts, is a black belt and the founder of Essex Kickboxing Academy. He is also the highly regarded author of many publications on the legend that is Bruce Lee. But mainly Phil G will be chatting with Steve, as I'll take a step back to merely record the episode and perhaps interrupt whenever I feel like it, because it's, I'm the producer, this is mine, mean But, uh, you know, we're we'll recording this afterwards, I don't really. So I I, I sit back like a good boy and let Phil talk. But because it is his baby, we're going to let him chat with Steve in a bit. The background in terms of uh, the different books that Steve has written and what their focus is and so forth. And uh, relevant links will be in the show post. So let me uh, say, uh, I'm, I'm Kenny B, of course, and with me is Phil G, recording this intro before the interview. So you've uh, been uh, friends with Steve uh, on social media, or did uh, Ricky Baker connect you to? And uh, No,
1: actually, it was Ricky Baker. And, and do you know what? It was, uh, it was one of those things that opportunity um, presented itself, and I snatched it. You know, we always talk about. You know, we, we don't sit idle on our hands, do we, can We were out there. We're putting irons in the fire. Some of those get stoked, and some of those get burnt out. Um, but this one came through and was great. Um, Steve Kerridge, um, author of many a book, um, we'll talk about Bruce Lee, Legends of the Dragon, his upcoming Mandarin superstar, and all other pieces in between, and the insight into Bruce Lee. Just the snippets of stories are absolute gold. Yeah,
0: I I enjoyed, uh, for for my tease, I enjoyed the fact that uh, his book uh, Mandarin Superstar covers uh, the probably not often told story of the Thai stuntmen and their participation because they've gone uh, uncredited I suppose for many many years so that's going to be a cool intro we're going to get to the interview very shortly but first for some brief uh, contact information this is Podcast on Fire, one of our rare interviews so uh, cheers to Phil for setting it up and uh, I was happy to sit back and listen Uh, all the uh, the shows of Podcast on Fire, the regular review shows and the interviews of course are available on podcastonfire.com we have an interview archive where uh, I've talked to the likes of uh, Keith Italy, Bruce Fontaine, uh, Don Neum, and uh, Mike Leader, of course. And now we add Steve to that archive. So, cheers, Phil, for for helping to add to that archive. Uh, uh, we have other shows on Korean cinema, Japanese cinema. We do bonus episodes every now and again. Talk sleazy movies too. There's plenty of you to choose uh, for you to choose from, and uh, including therefore an interview archive of uh, sorts. Uh, we don't do them frequently because. Um, The focus isn't solely interviews, which again uh, is why I'm grateful for Phil to uh, uh, grab uh, this uh, sort of uh, uh, stick of initiative and uh, run with it. So I'm very happy to see that. So I've uh, taught you something, boys. No, uh, you're you're quite self-reliant and you can do this uh, on your own. You don't need my... (laughs) My sort of uh, motivation or anything, so it's all good. But yeah, you've got the pulse on this, uh, on on the sort of industry and the society of uh, filmmaking and independent filmmaking, uh, and it's a thing I can't uh, tap into because uh, my focus isn't there. So uh, you have immense value in that regard, Phil. So
1: bless you, that's very kind of you to say.
0: If you have any questions or feedback or any comments on the inter- this interview in question or the archive, podcast on fire at googlmail.com. Hit, hit us up over on the social media links, uh, links to our Facebook page and group. Uh, you can reach uh, the page mainly by clicking the Facebook button at the top of our page. If you want to reach the group, follow the link in the show post on the site or type in Podcast on Fire Network. That will get you to the group. So come in, have a chat, and leave a comment about uh, what you thought of the interview or any other show. You can also find us on Twitter, of course via that handy button our iTunes feed is linked to as well as to uh, our Stitcher radio feed so that's all good I write about the variety of Hong Kong and Taiwanese movies over on com. not enough Bruce Lee movies but I leave most of that to other writers my focus uh, lies um, elsewhere uh, in uh, Taiwan and what have you so we all do our thing depend- uh, in, the, in a dependent manner I suppose so it's always nice um, though I don't know Phil, how you work but even though I might not be able to express myself in a particular area, right? Uh, let's say Bruce Lee. It's always fascinating if we connect to the, to the interview in this case, it always it's always fascinating to listen to someone who is expressive, who is knowledgeable, who uh flies the flag or whatever and it does it with a passion. And that inspire me in my own completely individual work completely disconnected from this and i mean i yeah, exactly. I, I can become inspired like uh, gearing up for a review of one of these taiwanese children's movies with a lot of poopy humor in it because <laughs> of a uh, because of the fact that i listen to someone who is passionate about what he or she does so um uh, it, it it sort of works out doesn't it
1: yeah it does yeah and you're right you, you can you can draw inspiration and passion from other areas that you might not Um, be be that passionate about but just that individual and and that coming across with that will will inspire you and it does and it does in this case and like I say there's uh uh, just the nuggets of the information that you know it's presented to and especially if you're passionate about something and you know Bruce Lee we're talking about a lot and stuff you know there's new information there that you know I've not heard of before which excites me and and again, it'll drive me and passionate about, you know, some other things that I'm doing for the Eastern Film Fans website and stuff and drive me on to do that. And same with you, it'll drive you on to be passionate about your poop, Ken. That's the main thing.
0: Yeah, that sounds good out of context.
1: Yeah, excellent.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My website is regardlesssogoodreviews.com. I put up little video reviews, not with poop, um, on sleazykvideo.com, despite the name. And I tweet over at @sogoodreviews uh, And subscribe to us on iTunes and uh, leave a, a star rating and a written comment if you feel like it. We would very much appreciate it. Phil, plug your
1: website easternfilmfans.co.uk hopefully get a facelift soon so we'll see that um, on Twitter Instagram, yes I'm there Uh, and Facebook obviously so uh, hit me up and um, you'll see me around, yeah absolutely
0: Excellent, now we're going to transition into the interviewer, mainly Phil and Steve's uh, conversation, so enjoy and we'll be back afterwards to uh, wrap this thing up really quickly so uh, take it away, Steve and Phil and cue music
1: For those who uh, don't know or not picked up the uh, fabulous book, uh, Bruce Lee, Legends of the Dragon, Volume 1. Thank you. I have it right in front of me here. Uh, and 2, by the way. Uh, and you can uh, you can tell the passion that, obviously, Steve's got for Bruce Lee uh, and what it came about and stuff. And if memory serves me correctly, Steve, uh, and I know people will want to know, and like I say, please pick up the book because it's in there, et cetera. But there was a picture of Bruce Lee in a magazine, as I recall, um in a shop way back in the in the 1970s um and that was kind of the the pivotal moment that kind of you started you on this journey is that correct
2: yeah i mean prior to that i, I had an interest in karate because my dad had a book a library book i'm probably going back now late 60s um that sort of period um i was born in 63 so i was only probably five or six and i remember seeing this i still got the book somewhere the manual of karate um it's all drawings. It was a library book that never got returned. Oops. Um, I think it's got to go back by
1: 1968. So I think <laughs> there'll I'll be a... on that, Steve. You're going to pay <laughs> for that now. <laughs>
2: yeah. Anyway, so I had an interest. I always remember my my cousin. I mean, my cousin was a lot older than me. When I was six or seven, he was probably 18, 19, You know, and. He had a friend who, who was a karate black belt. I always remember he had the big handlebar moustache. You know, like Jason King he looked like, you know. And uh <laughs> I remember going around his house with my dad and he had these nunchuckers on the wall. Pre-Bruce Lee all this was, you know. But you remember things as a young kid. Yeah. These, these like the octagonal type, uh, octagonal type Japanese Okinawa style nunchuckers and he had string I just remember that and his black belt. and So I had the interest in karate, but... Then there was nothing around, you know. It was no, it was no craze around, you know. For the age I was anyway, you know. Yeah. Uh, people prior to that, as you, as you know anyway, it's probably James Bond and whatever that turned them to martial arts and and whatnot. So going back to that, that was my first sort of memory of martial arts as such. Then then we had, I wanted went to go boxing. My dad took me boxing. I wasn't old enough. I think I was like by this time I was like eight or nine. I can't remember now. And he sort of pleading with them, let me... I mean, nowadays, it's different. They take my younger... And, but back then, they didn't, and I couldn't do it. And then suddenly, I was always into drawing. I was, as a kid, I used to love drawing and designing. You know, as a, I just loved... That was, I was a passion. I was sitting in a drawer for hours, you know. It was always like Walt Disney cartoons, like all of us, I suppose, back then. You know, and, you know the, and the kids' films are out of time, the Chitty Chitty Bang Bangs, and all that sort of period of time, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so that was that. And then suddenly... It was two things, actually, two pivotal things, really. One was, and I can't quite remember in the order, I'm sure it was the magazine first. I put down the magazine first because that was more in my head. Where I see the magazine in the shop window, or on a shelf somewhere in the shop, and um, there's obviously a Bruce Lee on the cover. I was all like, well, you know, as a kid, what's that, by this time I'm sort of, I'm I'm getting on for 10. And so this this would have been, I'm guessing, mid to late 73. Yeah. My birthday's in October. I remember I started karate in October, 73. Oh, okay. So, it was just, I suppose, around about the time Bruce Lee passed away. Mm. We didn't know who Bruce Lee was. You see this, and I remember the adverts on the TV for Enter the Dragon, and I, I, I vividly vividly remember the advert for a newspaper. I think it must have been News of the Worlds, and it, it showed a clip of Enter the Dragon or something rather, and It said, you know, the... the King of Kung Fu, where it says, you know, it was like one of them two second adverts, you know, yeah, in this news of the world, boom, and that was it. So there was all that, it was just starting to erupt. Then, of course, the David Carradine adverts came on the television for this new series. It was always a bit of a jumble in my head because, you know, you think, right, okay, I can, I can gauge it by 73 because I know I started crying when, when I was 10 years old. So I know it was 73 for, for a death note. I'm actually working on the magazine at the moment called Everybody Was Kung Fu Fighting.
1: All right, cool. Cool. Uh, I mean, obviously, magazine wise, because obviously it was Conk for Monthly in my day. I used to go down the Simac, I think it was down the road. We used to go down there, you know, when I was 15 years old, you know, surf all the magazines, find the best posters. You know, uh, yeah, they, they would all be splattered up like, like walls and stuff, but that was it. There, there wasn't many public, actually, even in what? And I'm talking around 83, probably, I was 13, 14, round about when I started karate and stuff. Yeah. And there still wasn't a lot of information out now, which is why, you know, it's so fascinating now to see, you know, what you've done with with all this and, and collated all this information. Because back then it was it was like gold dust, you know, any any oh, yeah. snippet you could find was like, yeah. you know, was like gold.
2: You know, about that, and um, you know, doing doing this magazine I'm working on there, it's 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 led me into a lot of research about that time period. But you know, by going through old newspaper archives, and um, I've got several friends that are into films. You know, one particular friend, Simon, he's very much into. I mean, he's he loves the kung fu and the Bruce Lee. That's probably that's probably his number one thing. But he's into spaghetti westerns. I mean, if you said to him, what director did this film? What music? Wasn't it? But he, he's very very knowledgeable he's not, he's not geeky at all But he's, he's, he's a builder of trade but he's just got that interest in, in films you know. Yeah. so he's been helping me research a lot of stuff as well and um, it surprised me he was trying to find when Kung Fu was first broadcast and it turns out he was broadcasting I think it was I have to check my notes I think it was June 73 or something wow. it, might have been, it might have even been April, April, April it was April, May, June That's what sort of period mm. and it, was, it, it was in the Midlands it was on Midlands oh, ITV right. Oh, okay. Wow. Channel Midlands ITV on a Sunday, Easter Sunday.
1: (laughs) On Easter Sunday, yeah, because there's only three channels anyway. Wow. And that was a
2: pilot film, you know. Yeah. So I'm eating Brazil nuts and one's coming down the wrong hole, I think. I can take a moment. I'll kill you. I'll kill Steve Keltri on podcast. Yeah. So,
1: you know, it's it's nice going over this.
2: so going on, what we're talking about, it's nice to go over this period because for me, a lot of you know, as you grow up, a lot of things get jumbled up in your head, you know, memories get a bit twisted and whatever, you know. Because it's, you know, I mean, I could say to someone, you know, I, I'm studying a certain period, saying in Bruce Lee's life, you know, and in June of so and so year, he was doing this, blah, 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 blah. Because I'm because I'm doing research. And someone said to me, What were you doing in June 74 or so? I go, Um, don't know, I know more about what he was doing. I was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can't remember what you're doing yourself. But it's not going really. like, if you just research. It's, yeah, you know, you're not it's not being anoraki. It's it's just it's research, isn't it? You know. So, but it's good doing this magazine at the moment because it's bringing back. It's not just Bruce Lee. It's the whole genre. It's created the whole explosion of the kung fu craze, or whatever we fast fast it, the time, the way, you want to call it. Yeah. So we had a lot of. Um, we had a lot of. Uh, interesting to come through. I mean, you've got to look at it really. From for my age bracket at the time, I was only a kid, so I couldn't see the Bruce Lee. I couldn't go and see the film. as much as I wanted to see them. You know, we all know there was ex certificate move. You couldn't get to watch these yeah. movies, so nah. we tried a few. We got in a few times by the sneaking the exits and you know whatever. You yeah. know, cinema with trying to make ourselves taller with our platforms. <laughs> With paper inside it, you know, it was overcoats. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, it's it's, it's it's sitting on the other guy's shoulders, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, Mr. Stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like a Monty Python sketch, you know. <laughs> I actually got to see that my first Bruce Lee from I, I saw in... it was Enter the Dragon, and it was in 1975, and it was with King Boxer. Ah, brilliant. What a great double bill. That is Good. a classic oh, double bill. That, that is. is. Yeah, you yeah, know, man. I literally didn't blink. I've got that, you know. Ah. I can imagine. I didn't want to sort of miss a, a second of it, you know, and um, so that was my first experience And of course,
1: break. that we're talking 75, right? So, and if you want to watch it again, I mean, obviously, we've got, look at the media around us now. There's, there's so many different forms of media. But if you want to you want to watch that scene again of stuff, you need to go back in the cinema and watch it again, because yeah. there wasn't, video didn't come out yet. That wasn't even out. There wasn't, you know, laser disc and all that good stuff. But you know, it wasn't there. The media wasn't there. Now it's it's quite easy to do that. But now it's, you know, oh, then, or certainly sure. then, it was an event, because you were going out to watch it. And if you want to watch it again, you couldn't rewind it. You had to go out and pay you know and, and watch it again at the cinema it was you know yeah. and, and very much like an event thinking about it i guess back yeah, in well, that time you
2: could actually sit in a cinema and wait for it to start again couldn't you back yeah then? yeah so we used to travel to different cinemas at let's in there was one in Stone newton in london the astra cinema a lot of people remember that and it was yeah. uh they didn't even give a shit you know it was like where's your money go in you know and he watch around <laughs> I was, first of all, i see Mr. fury that was in the 70s I don't know what probably mid to late the seventies, in some flea pit in London somewhere. I think it was Toss either where they let you in, yeah,
1: because
2: yeah. the Russian fight yeah, with, with Bob Baker was missing. So I don't remember if someone snipped it, and I don't know what happened there, but it was, oh no, you know. So yeah, I, I but what we used to do, we used to go to Chinatown. The first time I went to Chinatown in London was in probably 1974, I'd say by that time. Yeah, and we we went to a, China, a Chinese cinema on Gerald Street. It was in the basement and. Watch some shitty kung fu film. Called, it was called the Owl, actually. The Owl, I always remember the Owl. The Owl. But it was like we was the only kids in there. Like all the others, it's just Chinese, obviously. And you know? they were looking at us like, "What are you doing in there?" You know. So I remember, I remember the first Jackie Chan films appearing in Chinatown before he was known, like to the west. You know. So we knew who he was really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The you know the Tang Chao Lang films, the the John Liu. I mean, it's not my it's not my fault really, but I was always a Bruce Lee nut case. You know, to me. Yeah.
1: Nothing touched Bruce Lee, and that
2: was. Yeah, obviously. A so, but, you know, you go along with a lot of it, and they're all great and the, what they do, but it's, it's not Bruce Lee. Let's talk about, say, so your
1: first publication, and, and I want to talk about Legends of the Dragon because, um, one, it's a fabulous book, and we'll talk about it in a bit, but before we start that, what drove you to write your first book? I mean, where did the inspiration come from? Obviously, you've been collecting um, Bruce Lee memorabilia and all this, and a passion for it, but what, what sort of. Was a springboard for you to say, actually, I, I want to write the book even before you decided, and we'll come on to it how that book turned out and, and the way it's structured. But what 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 drove you to to
2: decide to do that? Well, I'd always archive a lot of material mm. uh, and try to put some sort of timeline type of a structure. You know, reading the, i mean, you read a lot of Bruce Lee biographies back in the day. Yeah and a lot of them would contradict each other and obviously there's a lot of bullshit in a lot of them and a lot of truth and whatever. And um, you tend to sort of, uh, I'm, I'm talking now, if you said, if you, for example, say like start started on the Bruce Lee scene in 73. Yeah. So 10 years later, 83, by that time I'd read tons of stuff, you know, and tons of Chinese material, which I obviously couldn't read, but yeah, yeah. I think you had the English versions of the Chinese magazines I brought out and you'd read bits and bobs and it was pigeon English or whatever else. But, and you get to know pretty much what was what stood up as true from what wasn't to a certain degree. Obviously, by then, you know, I was a lot older and a lot more knowledgeable. As far as you know, I knew people couldn't jump over a block of flats, but <laughs> you know, Superman can. But that's about it. You know? Yeah. yeah. You, you tend to, I tend to sort of uh, to catalogue things a bit. You know, as I was going on, if it was catalogued and with timelines, and then becoming friends with. Uh, I mean David Tadman in 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 Los Angeles, you know he he was a big inspiration a lot of stuff because he'd done some bits and pieces together and he he introduced me to Robert
1: Lee
2: Lee's mm. brother and we brought Robert Lee over in two thousand and one, some years later. After that, I thought, you know what? I, I feel like I want to do a, I want to do something on I want to do a book. I never had a bloody clue where where to start to be honest with you. As far as you know, would you go? Would you talk to? I didn't yeah, have exactly a clue. Yeah, yeah. And. I still haven't got a clue, but I'm trying. I'm trying
1: to make out now. Uh... <laughs> I was going to say because it is a big thing. I mean, you know, they say everybody's got a book in them, but you know, just to have an idea while I want to buy a book, and then, and then secondly, to come up with the idea we should talk about, um, yeah. and then obviously from that to to publish, it seems like a, an enormous thing. Like you think, well, can I? Even if I can write it, how do I get you know it out there to the to the general public, kind of thing. It must have been a journey. So, when did that kind of start for you to go right? Did it? Did the uh, idea come first or second? Did you start writing? You know, was it several years before? Him? Uh, How did that kind of mature? Uh,
2: well, around about, round about, maybe t- my mum passed away in two thousand and three.
1: Yeah, bless. yeah.
2: It was just some time after that. I remember thinking to myself, you know, I want, I want to, I want to do a book. Uh, dedicated it to my mum.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: and I've got a good friend called Greg Rhodes. You may have heard of. Yes. I mean, Greg's very knowledgeable. he have been around since day one. Uh, he's also a big inspiration, and you know, and Greg is very much uh, he, he pulls me down to earth on a lot of things. You know, Greg's very, very good, very good uh, writer. Greg, you know, he can, and I'll write something, and he'll just laugh at it and go, "What?" You know, <laughs> and, uh, and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, you're right." Yeah, you know, and the bastard's always right. The <laughs> Most of the time, <laughs> but so uh, it was a combination of things. And I thought, well, you know yeah. what, I want to do something Bruce level. Well, to do a biography, you can do a biography, but you've mm-hmm. got, you got, you've, with Bruce Lee. I think I said recently, someone asked me the same question. I said to do a proper Bruce Lee biography, you can't, you can't do it in one book. You'd have to be like a, like an encyclopedic set of books, you know. And you know, it's. It, it's so much, you know, such a short lifespan, mm. it's mental, it's crazy. So anyway, going back to to, to to the book idea, I thought, well, maybe about, you know, let's do something about one of the films, because that's what's popular, isn't it, really? Let's face it, you know. All oh, well, right, Bruce Lee fans like to know about his childhood or his whatever, but let's face it, what made Bruce Lee famous was the movies.
1: Yeah.
2: It was the image of Bruce Lee in End of the Dragon or whatever it was, you know. So going through the films now, Big Boss, which I've, as you know I've, I've done that now with Mandarin superstar, you know, yeah. which has been in a little while. That's that's quite involved. But Fist of Fury is another one which is hard to do, which we're working on with Darren Tua from Singapore, who's been yeah. he's great, you know, he's 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 like us, you know, he's he's the Singapore version of us really. Um, plus he he being able to read and speak Chinese, he, he can trail the, uh, tra- tra- trawl the, ar- the archives, to it that way. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he can dig out stuff that's probably not not been dug out before for a long time, if ever. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so... Sorry, I'll keep going off on tangents, but I'm just trying to give you a little bit of background of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been the films, of, A Big Boss, Fist of Fury. End of the Dragon's a big a big thing because you've got Warner Brothers and it's, it's something else. And it's quite a common... Out of all the Bruce Lee films, although it's the best, the, 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 the best as far as production value is nothing else. It's the film for me in some ways that, although it's his greatest achievement, cinematically, it's so common, isn't it? I mean, like, you yeah. see, a, it's always in the Dragon picture. It's always the inter- yeah, dra- exactly. you know, yeah. and it's yeah. that's something that's also in the pipeline uh, later on with yeah. maybe you know um, the same sort of idea you know, how it went about. Um but the film that really I mean Game of Death you can talk about that to you blue in the face and but the film that never was, and I'm not talking about the the one they made. I mean that's No I know. I mean that's a pile of crap, isn't it? You know Um, Yeah. It's just isn't it? It's not the same story. It's not anyway. No I know. So the the film that really defined Bruce Lee to start with, really, as far as Bruce Lee was concerned, was *Way of the Dragon, because it was the first time in his career that he had full control over what he was gonna do. You know, he didn't have anyone directing it that was over him. He didn't have anyone produced. it was his whole it was you know, as you know, he got two anyway, you know, he wrote the film, part from starring the film, directed the film, you know he had a big hand in virtually all the making of the film, so he was in total control. So I thought that'd be a nice one to start on because I know, like, logically, I'll oh, we'll start off a Big Boss and work your way through, but I wanted to sort of put across how, without saying sort of Bruce Lee-ish, how Bruce Lee honestly expressed himself, as he said himself, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: First chance he had to do that by putting his own idea down, and as I said just now, having total control over it. So I thought, well, what The Dragon would be a great one to start with? Yeah. You know, it, it, it was his own idea and how he wanted to do it. So that's, that's what got me onto that film. That's why I did that as if a and when I went to Seattle, when we did the, the second volume, it was originally going to be three volumes, I Yeah,
1: you said in the start, yeah. Oh, I was yeah. going to
2: ask where the third one was. Yeah, I'll explain about that in a at the minute, actually. But we, the second volume, yeah. we launched it in Seattle. We went, went to Seattle. It was on the was it 2000 and, 2008 we went to Seattle. Right. And it was Bruce's 35th anniversary or something. So we went there for that celebration or whatever was, they called it at the time. We did a brochure for him designed the brochure, me and David Tadman. I went out there with a book and, you know, I had a great time. I you know, visit, yeah. you know, paid tribute to him and I was his graveside and Brandon and whatever, you know. It was, it was quite, that was quite touching. And you know, when you actually go there, I don't know if you've been there, but when you go there.
1: No, I'm planning yeah. next year, hopefully so, but yeah, yeah, I'll do plenty to go. that yeah.
2: Yeah, was a lovely place. Yeah, um, yeah. And to be honest with you, when you go there, you actually see the, the gravestone and where the, the setting is with the you know, it's, it's quite touching, you know, especially mm. the fact that his son's next to him. It's
1: quite yeah, awesome. exactly. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. So
2: we went there and launched, we launched the second volume there and we, was at, we, we got invited to um, our friends and family and, and, and a few other people got invited to a big meal in a Chinese restaurant in Seattle by Linda and Shannon. So we, we went along and I'm sitting at the table and <laughs> it's funny because Shannon came up and she went, so would you like to get up and say a bit about your book? I went, yeah. I went, yeah, great. She walked away, I thought, shit. <laughs> I've got, got nothing prepared. I've got what well, you know, I'm not I'm not one for standing up in front of I'm not I'm not your typical karaoke uh, yeah. person, you know what I mean? So Yeah, I know what you're saying, yeah. Not because I, yeah. I can't sing, but yeah. But to me I thought, do you know what? I'm just gonna have to do this now. <laughs> so they called me up and I'm standing there, I'm no word of a lion's. You've got like Linda Lee right in front of me there. You've got Shannon Stan next to me. You've got all Bruce's friends. I mean, at the time, you know George Lee, Alan Jolly was all alive. You know Ted yeah, Watt, bless him. Yeah, yeah. they're all there. they was all there, you know, and, and many many others. And um, you can hear a pin drop. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm like I'm like. <laughs> I was gutted afterwards because there was a section I put in the at the end of the book, um, which sort of summarised Bruce in that time period. If I would have thought about it, I would have read that out because it would have been ideal.
1: It, yeah, but I, 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 I assume you just spoke from the heart kind of thing and your passion just shone through. I mean, you know. No, I just, I just I just spoke
2: crap for five minutes and, and started.
1: <laughs> got off, <laughs>
2: got and yeah. got up before you were uh, carried off.
1: Yeah. And, and they
2: all sort of like, Linda Lee and that smile and I thought, get him off, you know. <laughs> no, I mean, jokes aside, I I, I did. I, I, I yeah. said what it was about and explained. I remember looking straight at Linda Lee when I was, when I was talking. I thought... Focus myself, you know. And I've, I've, I've been in martial arts, I've, I've trained since I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've used to be out in front of crap to be jokes aside. You know, so I thought, right, focus on someone who to focus on. Focus on Linda Lee. So it's make it difficult, you know. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah,
2: just, um, yeah. I <laughs> focus is on Linda Lee. And,
1: um, no, no, not something on the wall. No, no, just no, Linda no. Lee.
2: Well done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like <laughs> that. And I'm just, and she's, she, you know, bless her when she's looking at me, she's smiling and nodding as I'm saying and she's a, remember she was agreeing because I was what well, I was correct or she was just being polite I'll never know <laughs> brilliant I hope you think know, it was the first one yeah, yeah uh, but she, she was great to be honest with you she was really, really really nice you know nice and I went through that bit so that was the second one so that's that's really why I did that book because and it was such a it was such a lot in it I thought I can't get it in one volume this was rigid originally mm. right? yeah so I thought break the three volumes um I had um, Tell Sports do it because I was trying to find. I mean, I, I spoke to Tajan or Tajan. Yeah. yeah. Publishers.
1: Mm.
2: Tajan were interested. I mean, I had several phone calls with them. You know, oh. they were interested at first, yeah. and then yeah. then at last minute dot com they they said no, I don't think it's for us. Or, mm. Okay. Yeah. And I went. I, I mean, I met with Eddie Puma a few times. You know, come for monthly editor from years ago. Yeah. yeah. Friends with Eddie. And he sort of, he gave me some good advice and bits and pieces, and his wife at the time, Roberta. And, um, yeah, we went with, I went with Tout because I thought, well, I just want to get it out there now, you know. Um, but what part of the agreement was that we do this, release the first volume, within six months, the second volume, and within six months, the third volume. The second volume, I think it was more than six months. We did that and we say we went to Seattle and then the, it just didn't get around to doing a third volume it was going on and on and i kept saying to the to the salesperson I said, look when are we going to do this And i can never get a straight answer in the end i I just write my letters i'll withdraw my contract you've not you've not uh kept up with what was in the contract you know and yeah, uh yeah. away from them mm, and i just forgot about it for a while and it went to a few years later that i thought to myself well actually it was um a fellow called toby russell
1: yeah i know toby. And,
2: and rick baker that I, I work with now as well we were talking about Bruce Lee and whatever, and I've done two books for Toby, two martial art posters, uh, I don't know if you, um, Cinema of Vengeance. Not cinema, what are they called? It was two books I, I compiled for, I design for him. Right, okay. It's all film posters from all the years, yeah. to 1980. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Was, they I have, yeah. Uh, Oh, Vengeance, was it? Yeah, I can see the picture oh, of it now. Yeah. So I designed the cover. I did it all... he was, was around him one day, Toby Russell, and he said... "Um, Rick said to him... You know, was showing the books. You know, oh, they're, oh, they're good. You went know, they good. You know, the Legends of the Dragon. Yeah. And just, and what I did, which I've missed actually, what I did uh, just prior to that, I thought, when I was so pissed off that the third one didn't come out, I thought, oh, do you know what? You know, the, the whole story hasn't been told in that period. You know, all the time I spent doing it, I went to, I mean, I went to Hong Kong. I'll go back on that in a minute and tell you about that. But Yeah. So we ended up, um, I ended up, sorry, putting together over a period of time special edition and I forgot that it It was just on me on my computer so I compiled it all into one special volume special edition volume sorry with the best of it and and some more photographs that weren't in the other book one thing I mean I know a lot of Bruce Lee fans won't agree with this but one thing I think I did wrong with the with the the first editions I made it too picture driven
1: yeah I mean I don't think so I mean I and, and each to their own so I mean I know what you're saying but this is what is so good about this book, and let me get on to it. Is because it's picture-driven. There are some, I mean, there are some absolutely stunning photos in here. And if people haven't bought this book, they should really hunt it down because it's beautiful. I mean, there's a picture here and stuff. I showed it's my favorite picture in the whole book, and it's just a silhouette of Bruce Lee. I've never seen after these pictures before. Stuff, really? I've seen a lot of stuff on Bruce Lee. That's I hunt it down.
2: That was taken by Chaplin Chain.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But this yeah. is what's so great about the book and stuff. It starts the way of the dragon from you know, right before pre-production, all the way through, and it, and it's a picture, it's a picture story, and that's what's so great about it, and yeah, you're right, you can put more words around it, and you can put more words in it, but you know a picture tells a thousand words, and yeah, I, yeah. I can just study some of these pictures for so long, and see who's in them, and, and yeah, what yeah. it's about, and you don't need to write anything really, apart from what you've done, which is absolutely yeah. right, you said where it is, you know who's in the photo nine times out of ten and stuff and then you let the person go on that journey and you let them enjoy and it and it is it's the pictures because some of those are just you know they're tremendous it's tremendous tremendous pictures that you know as a Bruce Lee fan um you can probably tell you know I, I love it and it's great and that and for me it's great yes everybody you know anybody with a pen can write words but those pictures that that's that's the selling point for me and that's what's so great about the book because it tells a story with the pictures and going through that. And then you've got enough information in there to tell, you know, people that probably not, maybe not familiar with, you know, who the other people are, you know, who they are, you know, what they're, you know, what they're, what they yeah. were doing, et cetera. So for me, absolutely nailed it, especially with the that's your first publication and the way you did it and you write, you could have done a Bruce Lee, and a life story, you know, over several volumes and stuff. But you took a small portion, a little tiny bit of Bruce Lee, and then to do that and across volumes was, you know, and it is, it's a tremendous. Bit of, you know, bit of writing, and and obviously picture-wise, it's it's a beautiful thing. Uh, have
2: you have you got the special edition?
1: I haven't got the special edition. No, no. And anyway, I will come on to later because I know we want to talk about the uh, Mandarin superstar as well. Mm. And I know that it's sold out the special edition and that's how that's how much people want this now. And I know the softbacks coming out and we'll come on to that and stuff. I mean I've got loads of stuff, but I haven't got the special edition. I mean the Legends of the Dragon special edition. <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't I haven't got it. So um, well, but I'll try, is- I'll try. When,
2: you, when you come down, I'll try and source you a copy.
1: Oh, I'll tell you what, It's tremendous cause I don't want this to get, you know, you don't want to get <laughs> your fingers on it, but every time it's like my coffee table book, people come mind, just stick it in the face regardless my dad loves it i mean he used to do judo and stuff so he's great and stuff but mom goes yeah i've seen it i've seen it i've seen it philip philip she says but <laughs> i said just look i should wave about it all the time and i'm probably too much ken's sitting there in the background probably falling asleep
0: <laughs> it's a fascinating insight into uh uh, you, know, you know, you know, because I came late to Bruce Lee because my way in was John Woo and I I, I didn't find uh, Bruce Lee until DVD and so forth. So it's always fascinating to hear everyone's individual story that led to f- fan appreciation of the movie art, but then fan appreciation in the form of going into art yourself, martial art and so forth. So that's why I always am uh, fascinated by everyone's individual journey and voice towards this and oh. then the central point is bruce lee and it, it, there, there's always a philosophical component surrounding bruce lee as well he wasn't just this martial arts actor but he co- the, the, you know the, the essence of jeet Kundo and how it's described it always hits everybody and then they start thinking about yeah. their own life and how what, what that f- phrase mean uh, that style with no style and uh, uh the older I get, the more I appreciate that. Even though I've never gone into martial art, and never will because I'm old and uh, I'm clunky as a person. But uh, so, so, uh, but fascinating discussion uh, so far, fellas. That's the point. Well, Bruce Lee really, really in
2: a lot of ways was a, was a life coach. He's a life coach, isn't
1: he? Mm. Well, this is, I mean, Ken brings a good point there. So mm. we talked about and, and we we talked about the book and stuff, and we talked about he's his films and, and all that, but there's there's another layer, it's like peeling an onion, there was layers to Bruce Lee and I'm sure you found yeah. that as you were digging into that and very much philosophy that we've talked about, um, the tailgit can do, obviously another book that's prominent in, in the collection and most people's. Was it something that you picked up on early days, his philosophy? I mean, for me, it was something, I did martial arts and stuff and I kind of grew in and I saw his films and I was passionate about his films and then it was like, it was probably years later that all of a sudden there was this philosophical side we didn't know about. When you start to investigate, was that something you drew upon? You still draw upon them, obviously. You're very prominent in martial arts, and you've got your own club, etc. But is that something that it still inspires you? His, his writings and his philosophy, and you know, take that on board. Yeah, I think
2: so. Um, growing up, you don't you, see, you don't really understand these things.
1: They're
2: no, a bit, they're a bit deep. And Zen, I said, what, what, what is Zen? What is Zen? Zen is nothing. Zen is about nothing. It's just a nothing. It's a void. You know, it's like that. What, what do you think about when you meditate? You don't think about anything. You just blank your mind out. You know. So it's sort of leaving it open, isn't it. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: That was what I suppose when you look at Bruce Lee. I mean, a lot of Bruce Lee's well, Bruce Lee's philosophy was based on that, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, void it's, it stands. It's, uh, it's, it's the void that stands uh, right in between this and that. The void is all-inclusive, having no opposite, and it's a living void, so all forms come out of it. And I remember asking my dad, I was like, what the hell does that mean, dad? And he was like, you'll, you'll find out, son. He was <laughs> like, you don't give any answers. <laughs> he was like, you know, just go out there, experience it, and, then, you know, take it in and, you know, all that philosophy, et cetera, and it's there. Um, but, yeah, so it, it, it's fascinating, like I say, peeling the layers of Bruce Lee. There was more than just this fighter in this screen image and what you see and stuff, and and you get some of that with what you start to see in what you're publishing in the books and and, and specifically, let me come back to it, um, on the the pictures, you start to see that side of him, but obviously, you know, that philosophical side's still there and, and underneath that, you know.
2: Yeah, 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 so, definitely, definitely, and... I think you, you realise that the more you learn about Bruce Lee, the more you realise there's more, how much more there is to learn. He's mm, like am digging a half you think, well, how deep is this hole?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you keep digging. So let's bring him back right up to date. So we've got um, Bruce Lee Mandarin Superstar has already sold out the limited edition. You've also got the softback coming out through uh, Eastern Heroes, through Ricky Baker. Big shout out to Ricky for setting this up. Thank you, yep. Ricky. Yep. Always support you yeah. um, since so back in the day in the Scarlet Summer and, and yeah. will do going forward. Good man. So big shout out to Ricky. Yeah. So three weeks in the hero, so uh, you can get the um, copy of that. There's still some available. I've not had my chance, uh, hands to get my, my hands on it just yet. So do you want to give the folks out there uh, a feel for what that's about and what you've brought
2: um, um, to the table? Yeah. With this? yeah. It was it, – it was, when I first started – uh, we had the idea of doing this book on the big boss if you like.
1: Yeah yeah
2: I thought you know where I'm gonna start with this because it's you know not many people know it. it's probably the least known period or the the making of the big boss you know you get all these little stories and bits of yeah, box it's never really been told and I had a long think about it again the same as I did with with the Wild Dragon book and I thought well why do I want to do this this book, you know, is it about the film? And I thought, no, it's not about the film, it's about Bruce Lee, obviously. You know, the film is just a byproduct of that time period. So then I thought, well, what made him do The Big Boss? That's what. That's the question you've got to ask yourself. Not about, I mean, the book could have started off with, uh, you know, chapter one, you know, Bruce Lee arrives in Thailand, blah, 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 and he films it. No, that's, that's you'd understand that because you know, you know about Bruce Lee's life. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, what about a person on the street that doesn't know nothing at all about Bruce Lee or why he went to Thailand or why he made the big boss or whatever? So you think, well, you've got to look at the at the, the reasons behind it. I thought, so I'm going to go go back a little bit to around about the, the end of the 60s. So I thought 69, starting 69, I'm not going back too early, with some little flashbacks of 68 to explain certain events in 69. Certain events that happened in 69, you think, well, why is he doing that? So I had to go back and say, well, he met so-and-so the year before because he was teaching, or he was on set of the Wrecking Crew in 68, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, that's why he knew Sharon Tate, and so he got to know Roman Polanski, and blah, blah. You know, it's, that's just an example. So I had to have a little flashback to 68. But the book really starts in 69 for one pure reason. When I did the book, I thought, well, someone said to me, will this go... He said to me, "Where would this go in the bookshop?" I said, "What do you mean?" So well, what section would it go in? Would it go in the martial arts section, or would it go in the in the in the biography or you know film section?" And I thought about it. And I thought, "You know what? It could go in either, but really, it should go in the motivational section."
1: Ah, interesting. Okay.
2: And they said, "What is that?" I said, "Well, because the book starts off because no one really knew what I'd done up to this point."
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. Working with Darren, uh, Darren Chua, and you know, and I I, I I said to Darren, "Do you want to do this?" And he was interested. Darren had quite a good archive of the Chinese newspaper archives and stuff, you know. So, and they, a lot of those newspapers covered Bruce on a virtual day-to-day basis at one point. Seeing the the, the Hong Kong English language, but not the Chinese one so much, you know. Now, they've already done previously done a book with Darren called the Singapore Connection. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, without going on that too much. So, going back to the motivational section. So the book starts off with. The first page of the book, it says circumstances held to circumstances. I make my own circumstances, you know, which is Bruce's way of saying, you know, in other words, you've got to make your own way. You can't wait for things to happen. You've got to make your own, you've got to make these things happen, you know. So you've got to be motivated. They look at someone who's Chinese in a a climate that didn't really uh, accept a foreign actor as a lead role. You know, he could be a bit part, or as you've seen Bruce Lee write, you know, the pigtails and all that sort of thing, as he said, he's yeah. but they wouldn't take him on. No one really wanted, and even I think Bruce Lee understood that when you see him when he speaks to Pierre Bertman. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, you can't expect people with the money to, they're on to it. It's always like saying, I want you to do that, but okay, put your hand in your pocket and you spend your money. You take, Do you want to gamble that? You know, so you can understand that people didn't want to gamble that, but it's still frustrating. He knew that he was good enough to do the job, but no yeah. one was giving the real break. The, the the main person that was behind Bruce Lee, that really was probably one of the, the main instigators of his, his of his birth in the success, if you like, was Sterling Silverman, without doubt, because Sterling believed in Bruce Lee. You know, he had yeah he had a powerful position in Hollywood because he was he was a you know he was an Academy Award winning scriptwriter screenplay writer, you know, and through his connections, you know, he met James Coburn, and obviously Bruce was was known to a certain degree amongst the Hollywood set anyway and knew a few people and was teaching a few celebrities but it was still instead really that uh, you know I think you've got to give him the, the big thumbs up yeah. you know so but Bruce was as you know Bruce Lee had a, a library of over 2000 plus books on all different subjects not just martial and fighting he was on philosophy on religion on you name it you know filmmaking and whatever else um, and one of the books he had was the Napoleon Hill book which is Think and Grow Rich, which I think was published around about 1937 or something, you know, I mean, don't quote me on that, it was around about, it was in the 30s anyway, and one of the, the exercises in, a book called Think and Grow Rich, and what's the other one called, it was two books anyway, but there was an exercise that he, he did in that book, which was like a self-belief exercise, called The Definite Chief Aim, it's a surprising amount of people, when you speak to them, they go, oh yeah, I've read that book, oh, I know what you're talking about, you know, not Bruce Lee related I'm talking about. Yeah. So in this book, basically what it is, um, and once again, forgive me if I get this a little bit arse upwards, but the exercise is to write down what your what your aims are, what you want to achieve. And every day you read that to yourself, maybe two or three times a day, so it becomes a natural mental process. That And it, the belief in, the, in this book and the poem hill here is that the more you believe in yourself, the more these things can materialize Mm-hmm. So, and we've all seen Bruce Lee's definite chief aim. And he'd he done several, several. You know, he he done a type version, which is in the book. He'd done mm-hmm. several handwritten ones. Um, and this is, this is what the book starts off with. So it's got that circumstances, hell with circumstances piece in his own written word. And you turn it over and you've got the definite chief aim. So that's how the book starts off. So it's motivational. It's like, you know, really someone that's, everyone's, he's got no help with really. No one's really supporting him. That he needs to support, not to about family and friends,
1: yeah.
2: Within the industry, you know, yeah. You can't get. You can get the, you know, say Sterling Cilic was opening with, if it wasn't a bit part in a in a TV show of some kind or, or Marlowe, you know, the, with James Garner. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was as a fight choreographer. He was trying to keep Bruce in the in the guy. He's trying to work. His friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it starts off with that, and then it goes on. Quite a big portion of the book actually has got the underlining theme of the silent flute because. This is what Bruce Lee really wanted to do: the silent flow. You know, he wanted to put portray the martial arts on film for, for the true meaning of martial arts, the philosophy. What we were just talking about, mm. the added Sufism that James Coleman was more into, yeah. into some tangible screenplay that could be, and they did it, as you know. You know, yeah. And, but it's quite a history. It's quite a history to that. Mm. Oh, that went through several it. different people who tried to do it for them. That they. Yeah rid of it, it's all in the book anyway yeah. and eventually they, they come up with a, a screenplay that was acceptable you probably know it's anyway but Warner Brothers because of let's face it, James Coburn was interested so they got their they got their Hollywood star if you like you know, Yeah. Who was quite up there, you've got the script writer with, some, with a bit of clout and a bit of uh, kudos which is Sterling Siliphant mm-hmm. and you've got this strange oriental <laughs> Chinese got you know martial art expert that's that's like you know, no one's yeah. ever seen anything like it in their life, you know. Yeah, yeah. So you've got this combination, all the brothers in all their wisdom thought to themselves, Well, do you know what? This this looks good, but how can we finance this? I know, we've got money in India, we can't get out we can't get it out of the country. It's frozen. Uh-huh. They won't, they won't Let's have our money. If you can film this if you can make this film in India, the the finance is there for you, lads. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm skirting over the surface, but this I is the basic Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: So the next stage is, okay, let's kind of look at the locations, see if we can film there first, you know. So they they take a two-week trip to India, uh, which is covered quite extensively in the book.
1: Oh, that'd be great. With, no,
2: with notes, with flight schedule, everything, you know, it's, it's quite in depth. Awesome. So they travel around India for, for the best part of two weeks, or it was, you know, was, they went to London at first and blah, 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 whatever. Um, but they couldn't find anywhere suitable that they really thought or felt that could be realistically used really, you know. Mm. you know. The stories of them flying over India and Bruce going, that looks good down there, and James Coburn or whoever was saying, yeah, it's great, but how are we going to get a film crew? How are we going to get a team? How no. are we going to get it? Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. So, you know, there was crowds of people and buildings and cars, and oh, I went through the desert and... So it basically became a you know, quite apparent that it weren't weren't the right location. It didn't really have the wasn't the right location. So mm. I think Bruce Lee would have done it anyway because he was by his time, he he you gotta look at the fact as well. By all his time, Bruce Lee had no money, you know. I mean he, not saying he was on the streets begging, but
1: he no, you know,
2: no. he had a mortgage, he had a family. Yeah. You know, he had an income, he had a this, only recently bought a house in Air. You know, and there he had the you know there he had the upkeep of that and the and the mortgage on that, and so the pressure was on. You know, so Bruce Lee desperately needed this. Mm. For two reasons: one, financially, and one obviously artistically, because he wanted to he wanted to put across to the world martial arts. You know, yeah. So to, to Bruce Lee, it was as he always said. Anyway, you got to have a cross between commerce and art. Too much commerce is great. You know, you're earning the money, but it's a pile of shit. Too much art is lovely to stand back and go, isn't oh, that wonderful? It's a, shame he, it's a shame he dyed skin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. You know, Van you know. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You, know, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, if you'd have done a few commercial ones beside it to, to keep him going, maybe... <laughs> exactly. Some of that philosophy is just really common sense, but he is right. Well, yeah. Exactly,
1: that's the reality of it. You know, so, so
2: the silent flute was really the, the basis of the definite chief aim, I'm going to become successful, I want to do this film... He's got two good people behind him. You know, I know, he's got a studio behind him because of these two good people, mainly. You know, it was apparent by the time they come back that they can't find it. I mean, that wasn't the end of it. Um, yeah. Sterling Silverman was still touting it around Hollywood with Paramount and other people as well. Mm-hmm. James Coburn was still, was still would have been there. Yeah. But, you know, I think by this time, when you look at, the, when you read the book, Knows that have got the book, obviously, hopefully they've read it anyway, not just look at the pictures. <laughs> uh, you've got to look at now that he's in a position now where wh- what does he do next? You know, he's he decides to go to, to Hong Kong in 1970 prior to the, this is prior to the Indian, because he went to India in 71, yeah? Yeah. So he'd been to Hong Kong prior, the year before that, you know, done the TV demonstrations, you know, he'd had the, you know, pricked a few ears up with that, you know, what's going on there, you know. He, he brought himself back to his, you know, attention to himself back in Hong Kong. Mm. By 71, he come back from India, and there'd been some sort of interest with Shaw Brothers in 71. Not, not People think it was 1970, was it? It was 71, with help from Unicorn Chan, you know, and whatever. Mm. You know, negotiations were opened up. But they didn't want to offer Bruce Lee nothing. So then, you know, we'll give you... Well, what Ramon Shaw did, he passed it across to Mona Fong. You know, can you deal with this, you know? You know, offering $5,000, you know, Mm-hmm. So marathon in all her wisdom, goes, "Okay, yeah, okay, Bruce, we're offering you two and a half thousand dollars, you know. And um, really, we don't really want to give you a starring role at first. We'll give you a, a co-starring role. If you do well later on, we'll give you. So Bruce has gone up yours, you know. That deal didn't, didn't obviously didn't uh, didn't last long, or uh, well, that that proposal didn't go anywhere. shall I say? Coincidentally, by at that time, because what I did in the book as well, I wanted to show." Like you got Bruce Lee's pathway, the path he was treading. Then suddenly, from the right or left, or which way where you're standing, another pathway was coming along, which was Raymond Chow, which was Golden Harvest. So what I slowly introduced into the book is, so we sort of like, it was like two stories running concurrent, really. You had Raymond Chow, you know, he's working for Shaw Brothers. Once again, Mona Fong upset the apple cart. He left. And formed his own film company, Golden Harvest, with Lin Sing and Leonard Ho, and a few shareholders, which we we've got in there as well, that put money into it. You can imagine at the time, Shaw Brothers were massive in Hong Kong. They were the main players. You know, they had all the cinema chains. They, they, you know, they were the the film studio. You go to the, rest the work independent studios, but Raymond Chow was very very clever. And what he did, what well, what Ramon Shaw did, what Shaw Brothers did, they had. They're actors and actresses. They was basically more or so on like a weekly wage, you know, monthly wage, or whatever it was, you know, salary. Um, and they, most of them, lived on campus. They lived in the in, in Shaw Brothers. They had like separate buildings. They lived there, so they was on call twenty four seven. You know. Yeah. What Roman Child did, he decided to bring in like an independent, more of a feel where actors can come in. They can bring their own their own film company into it, their own independent film company. Uh, Wang Yu did it low weight, who left goes. yeah Tsai Wei production company uh, later on obviously Bruce with Concord Jackie Chan did it I think a few of them done it anyway as the years went on so what Roman Chow done he, he done uh, like an independent thing where so like, say for example like you're the film company and you say okay Steve you want to come and make a film bring your film company in and you get a bigger profit of the film you get a percentage of the profits of course cool. so everyone's going whoa do you know what I don't want to be on a weekly wage. I want to be, I want to be have, more, I want to have more in this. So I'm going to put my company into that and I want to get a percentage of the profits of this film. So it's a bit like someone being on day work or on, a pri- on price work, really. I mean, yeah, yeah, You know, you get people... I mean, how many times have you heard where someone's a, a builder and they go, oh, I've got people working for you on day work. You know, I'll go back in and they're asleep in their car or they're... Cause they're still getting their wages. Where if they're on day work, if they're on the price work, they're working two ten at night they've got more to, to gain you know so yeah. this is where he was clever mm-hmm. he brought yeah. shareholders into it people have got profit sharing and whatever so there's a sort of system he brought into it so um, he started this company in 1970 May 1970 I think they actually drew it up uh, and in the book I've got all the you see all the papers and everything for Golden Harvest they made several films throughout the year but by the time 1971 came it was quite quite obvious that if they carry on the way they're carrying on they're going to be out of business within six months, you know, they can't carry on. There's just, they're being strangled, you know, they've got, they've got no distribution. They've got, there's no distribution anywhere that, you know, Shaw Brothers has got the main cinema chains, you know, it's, it was difficult. So what they did, yeah. they got him with cafe films. Now There's a whole history of cafe films going way back, which I'm going to now. It's all in the book anyway. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: Cafe said to him, okay, well, if you give us distribution, we'll give you our cinema chains, you know, so, they got distribution through Cafe Films, which helped a bit. But what they needed now was a, a star attraction. So they're looking about. So Lo Wei's wife, Lowling Wa, I always probably, probably pronounce that wrong. <laughs> she, she was sent to Los Angeles to try and entice Cheng Pei Pei. Cheng Pei Pei was a famous actress from the Shaw Brothers studio, recently mm. retired. It so turns out her father mm. in law. Uh, was a Taiwanese film producer, or, or whatever it was. He was one of Golden Harvest's shareholders. This has all been uncovered by our research. Yeah, yeah. So, Raymond Chell says to Lo Wei's wife, well, you know, if you, I'll send you out to Los Angeles, uh, see if you can sign her up. You know, She'll be an attraction. We, we can make a film with Cheng Pei Pei. If we can draw her out of retirement, because he got married and she was starting a family up, you know, moved to, to the States... So she's gone to L.A., Well, Ting Pei pay, pay. Although I think she was interested, she couldn't. She had too many commitments, you know, family and whatever else. Yeah. So without wanting to go empty back empty-handed, Lowe's wife thought, well, do you know what? I remember uh, their son, David Lowe, you know, keep going on about this Bruce Lee, you know. The, the, you know, he was on the TV in Hong Kong the year before, as I just said to you. You know, mesmerised everyone with his ball breaking and everything else he was doing. So do you know what? I'm going to try and hunt him out see if he's interested. So, I mean, a year earlier, if, if Golden Harvest got gone to Bruce Lee a year earlier, I don't think he would have been interested. The only way he would have done a Hong Kong film would have been with someone, a main studio, like Shaw Brothers, but because of their gotcha. their, their, their um, short-sightedness, if you like, or it must have worked. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, 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 they're not seeing the bigger picture, really. Yeah, yeah, no wasn't it? Really? That came about yeah. a shitty deal, when he just told me to piss off, didn't yeah. So now, but going back the, the year later, so going forward to a year later, She's approached Bruce Lee um, or met Bruce Lee at uh, a dinner function. Um, it's all in the book, as I keep saying. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to go too don't much Don't give away the ending. No. They well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. can the book. God damn it. Yeah, but
1: no, it's fascinating.
2: It is fascinating. So, so Bruce Lee, you know, ponders on it for a little while and then decides to sign up with her. Yeah. So you got to look at it really. Let's it's be honest. I don't think Bruce Lee wanted to go to a what was then a rural backwater village in, yeah. out of Mongolia, well, Thailand, you know, to do a film with, you know, uh, poor production values, you know, it goes against a lot of the things he really didn't want to, you know, want to do, you know. But he needed the money. So he signed a two picture deal with Golden Harvest for two films, obviously. The rest is history, as I say. So, you know, he went to Pak Chong. But all the time, throughout all this, he's still trying to get, deals with the silent flu, he's dealing with, he's done the Longstreet episodes, you know, he's trying to get uh, more work at Paramount, he's trying to, get, all these different things are going on in the background, you know, which is all explained in more detail in the book. And he's in Thailand doing his film, which really, you know, there was a lot of problems there. You know, there was a lot of, a lot of problems. And I was lucky enough because my wife's from Thailand. I've been to Pak Chung quite a few times in the yeah. past. I mean, going back for years now. So I've been to all these locations, which, incidentally, especially the, the Big Boss house, it looks virtually the same as when they filmed it. There. it? So oh, when you're, why? When you're standing oh, there, all right, you've got, it's a bit worn out there, a few of the trees. Yeah, are there. obviously, yeah, but wow, that's great. It's, well, it's, it, it, it's a really weird feeling because you're standing in the middle of that lawn, what's yeah. left of it, and you've got the pond behind you. It's got no water in it anymore, but you've got the pond there, you've got the house there, and it, it's like being on the... It's like you've gone into a three D version of a, a photograph of the film. Yeah, really, I mean, the ice factory is not; it, it's still there, and you can sort of you can see where it is, and you can see where they've done what they've done. But it's not like it; it's not how it was. Then it's, it's changed a little bit, you know. But yeah. the boss's house, bang, you know, and obviously the river and everything else is still there. And yeah, yeah. It's slightly different. Now you've got different buildings around it, but mm. the boss's house is like anyone who wants to go and see a pre location. Forget Hong Kong. <laughs>
1: exactly. Well, yeah, I've done Hong Kong, but you know what? I do fancy Thailand. I've got to say, it's one of the few places I haven't been to. I really fancy it. I might just actually, go for that reason, <laughs> to go to the house. We was actually thinking about organising a trip, you
2: know, like... Wow. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, or Rick was, anyway. Yeah, Rick, Rick sort of says... Yeah, like, yeah. He does come be. up with some... Great, like, yeah,
1: I'm going to have to ask him about that. That'd, that'd be fabulous. Oh, that'd be we, a lot of people interested in that. Wow. The,
2: the one, last time I went there... The last year, last one I went to last year, when I was doing this book, obviously, mm. I thought, Do you know what? I can write from experience of being there, and where I've been in Thailand for the last, probably the best part of 20 years now, I've been to many, many rural villages. Yeah. yeah. Which, I can only imagine, and I think I'm correct, how Patong Chong would have been back in 1971. Because Pat Chong now is more of a town, a Donald's, Kentucky Fried Chicken, you know. Yeah, yeah, all that. But my wife, she said to me, um, I said, what I want to do, I said, I want to try and see if there's any, must be people, I mean, I've, I've already met people there that remember Bruce Lee being there. Yeah. In the, in the new Wan Chai Hotel, well, it's, called, it's called the Wan Chai Hotel where she is. The hotel where Bruce Lee stayed, which is now called the Rim Tan Inn, which we stayed in a few times, that was the new Wan Chai back in the day, you know, and then but that family owned that and they sold it off and that's what changed his name. But the lady and the family that owned that have still got, literally, I'm talking probably 10 yards to the right of it, so to the left, I mean, there's a the Wanchai hotel. So, quite a few years ago, I've been there and we spoke to this lady, or well, my wife did because she doesn't, didn't speak English. And I walked in there, and um, this is before John Little done his documentary because when John Little did his documentary, I put him onto this lady. I mean, John done a brilliant, brilliant documentary. I don't know if you've seen it.
1: Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah.
2: You know, he's, he's John's, he, I like John, he's a he's good fellow, John. And, um, but this lady, I can't even pronounce her name, once again it's in the book. <laughs> um when when uh I went there we spoke to this lady, my wife did and I said, um, I you she remembers Bruce Lee being there. I thought, probably she's just gonna look at us like that, well, you know. <laughs> and straight away she said to my wife, because like, oh, I I didn't understand what she was talking about, but my wife was translating. She said, Oh yeah, yeah, I remember I remember, remember that. You know, I was only young young then. Wow. Um she said, but I remember him staying here and and I'm standing there thinking to myself, oh, yeah, she's just saying that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and then she started saying, about, Oh, I remember he had a bad back. I went, Oh, and I thought, My Okay, buddy, I carry buddy. on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he didn't sleep on the bed. He, he asked to put a mattress on the floor because, um, you know, he's bad back. And as soon she said that, I knew she was telling the truth. Then yeah. wow. She used to stories about how he used to come up and kick at your face, like really fuck, you know, like, and then shake your hand. And, and she said, <laughs> And she said, like, it was me and my sisters, and uh, he can never remember our names. So he used to call us numbers. I was number one, number two, number three. You know? <laughs> Brilliant. And it was quite funny. There's those little stories like yeah. that she told us. And, um, so going back to like, last year, we went back there and we went to see the one. Uh, And I actually, I actually done, um, I filmed with her, actually interviewed her last year as well. Only for my own thing, really. I talked to the yeah. boss's house. I sat outside the boss's house and I filmed her. Wow. I made, I made it into a little bit of a film and put it out, actually. That'd be good. Yeah, yeah. She talks about it with a big bossy thing in the background. Yeah, yeah. So we went there last year, and um, before we got there, my wife said to me, See, there's a famous films, Thai film star, and um, uh, Chatri uh, Sa- Sarapong, Chatri Sarapong, or Sarapong Chattery. And when she, showed, when, she, when she showed me his photograph, I recognised him, because you know, he's all, he's a, he's like a Thai equivalent to Tom Cruise, I don't know, he's that... He's that the biggest star to, in Thailand for the last 40, 50 years. You know, I mean, he's in his seventies now. And still he's got a temple on the outskirts of Pat Chong, and sometimes he's there because my brother's been there. I went, but he may know about the Bruce Lee. You know, I went because what I did, I took with me. I thought I don't have my phone actually, so I've gone there before. I took old copies. To, I took on my phone. Just, just took loads of photographs of Bruce Lee of all the stuntmen. And no one's ever found out who these stuntmen were or mm. the film company they was involved with. And, and luckily, um, well, luckily, with a lot of hard work, between me and Darren, we went to Patchen, we went to this temple and he was there. And there was hundreds of people there, all Thai. I was probably the only Westerner in there. And I've got my camera. My wife's a little bit starstruck. Oh, this, 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 this. You know, and he's at the front. And he, he's got these big, beautiful, beautiful Buddhist, big like, gold temples he's built there and whatever, you know. And it's absolutely stunning. And he's still, he's still in the film industry, and in TV industry, whatever. And I'm standing at the back, and I'm just filming like this, you know. And um, he's sort of like giving it a double take. He's sort of looking like that, and he's gone... He's not because I'm a Westerner. He's, and he, yeah, he's carried on with on his microphone, talking to the crowd. Eventually, like, it was our turn at the front to sort of talk to him. I mean, you know, my wife's a bit starstruck. She's talking to him and that. And he was like, oh, where are you from? And he's all chat, 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 chat. I said, yeah, I said, I'm doing a book on, talking about Bruce Lee. And like, oh, Bruce. Yeah, yeah. I said, oh, Bruce Lee. I said, i will using the opportunity here. I said, uh, do you know any of these people? Like, you know, So <laughs> all the photographs out. and I'm showing this photo. Bruce standing with six or seven stuntmen. Go, he's going, yeah, I know him. I know him. And he knew them all. But wow. He's, yeah, passed he's passed away. Oh. He's passed away. So he said, um, he said, I'll tell you what he said. He crowds people there. He said, I'll tell you what he said. Come back in an hour. He said, uh, we're going to have a talk. My wife's like, I can't believe this. Like, it's like Tom Cruise saying, Come back in an hour. And we're going yeah, to yeah, time. we'll
1: have a chat. Brilliant. So, we
2: walked around the temple for a while, came back, and there's still crowds of people here. And he spotted us, and he went, and All of a sudden, he's like beckoned us over. And he's and he's literally this fella's about 70 years of age, and he's running through the crowd like for Christie, <laughs> you know. And he's like, People trying to get his autograph, and we're he's going, Come with me, come with me. And we're running from, got past all the crowds. He took us out. He got a big restaurant there as well. He took us out of the back of the restaurant. He gives us a tour. Shows us his film posters. Introduces us to his sister. And sat us down. Gave us a meal. Gives. I felt a bit embarrassed. I was like, I felt a bit awkward. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so so he's. I bought him anything. Yeah. Yeah. So he's. So I'm saying. Well, I write all his names down. Write all his names down. You know, so I got. So I wanted for the book. He said, "Oh, so he's actually," he said, "a uh, good friend of mine." He said. Uh, Pal Porapak, his name is. He said he's a he was a stunt man on the film. He said he's always gone about when he worked with Bruce Lee. So I'll get him to give you a call. I thought okay. Anyway, so we've gone back to Bangkok, and my phone, my wife's phone rang, and and by the way, this stunt man is also although he was a stunt man back in the day, now he's just, he, he's a known film actor. There you
1: know.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. So my wife's once again, she's like, I can't believe he's phone. You know. Well, no, actually, the the, the Sarapong. Chattery phoned her first, and she, we were in the hotel room, and uh, her friend was with us, and she's, she couldn't believe she's on the phone to this film star, you know, and he said oh, uh, he's going to give you a call, pal, uh, pal's going to give you a call in a bit, uh, and he'll come and see you, you can interview him. Blimey, that struck gold here, you know. Yeah, yeah proper. So the next thing um, we get this call from this pal Porapak, and he he uh, he drove like a couple of hours to Bangkok to meet us, and once again I filmed him, I interviewed him for about an hour or so, I got it all on film, and. Um, and so, I mean, once again, he's like he's, he's. I think he was 71 or something. Looks about 50. Mm-hmm. So, honestly, he's. You'd he, never believe his age. And he's worked with he worked with Wang Yu as well. Worked with jean Cole Van Dam. All these people come over. Done, all these people over the years. So with Bruce Lee, he said, "Good heart, good heart, good heart." Mm-hmm. My friend, my friend. He couldn't speak much English, but he's so. Yeah. If you're in him, I'm, I'm asking my wife to ask him a question, and she's and he's answering her, and she's translating. It's a bit of a long way around but. Yeah, yeah. Bits of broken, you know. You know, yeah. My friend, my friend. Good heart, good heart. You know, when, uh, uh, when you, when you, you know. When you, bad man, bad man. Bad, bad. <laughs> when, when you, came, when you came to Thailand. What, what was the film he made? Um, Tattooed Dragon. One of them bloody films. And when you start in fights with people in the street. Oh, dear. You start in bloody fights with people, right? And he's like, he's like, bad man, bad man, you know. John claude Van Damme, no good, no good heart, no, no good heart. So it turns out, what it was, Bruce Lee took a liking to him. He was in the same hotel as Bruce Lee. He said, and every morning, six o'clock, knock on the door. And he answered, Bruce Lee at his door. <laughs> oh, come on. You and me go jogging, 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 jogging. <laughs> every morning he's going jogging with Bruce Lee. Wow. From the hotel to the ice factory. Yeah,
1: Which yeah, is yeah. about, I
2: suppose, about a mile, maybe, I don't know. Okay. And I said, I asked a question, I said, what was he like to jog with? him? Oh, so fast, fast <laughs> Couldn't keep up with him, you know, he's a very fast runner. <laughs> so Bruce Lee said to him, you know, you teach me because Powell had done tie boxing. He was a tie boxer prior to that. And his whole, whole history of there. He, did he didn't have a lot of fights, but he had a few. And hmm. he got into the stunt work because his uncle was one of the stuntmen as well on the film. Onk on whatever his name is. Uh he didn't recognise his face actually from the yeah, okay. he, he he was his uncle he said, Look, how much you get him fighting? He said, Oh, you know, fifty baht or something stupid at the time. Oh, come and work in the films, yeah, you, know, you earn more money than that, you know. So he went as a stunt man and I think that's probably one of his first job I think it was his first job. But he wasn't one of the he didn't play one of the thugs, one of the baddies, because he was too baby faced. You know, I think he was twenty-one at the time or something, you know. So he's one of the factory workers. You do yeah. see him briefly. So Bruce Lee said to him, like, you teach me some Thai box, I'll teach you some kung fu. So they had a bit an exchange, there's a train. And he went for a few stories, you know, and I said, I said, um, all these stories about you know Bruce Lee was challenged by a stunt man and and expecting him to say, oh yeah yeah he did. He went no, nah. and he said like, in 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 Tides. Like, Everyone loved Bruce. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Where did yeah. you get that? You know, because you got Maria, Yee, you got James Chen saying, oh we see Bruce being, you know, he was sparring a stunt man. Let's face it now. I and mean, I spoke when I spoke to Bruce Lee I was telling them, well, they was quite interested, and I said, look. Do you know what it is? You know, when you look at it realistically, they're sitting back in their chairs like this, watching Bruce rehearse, you know, and they're seeing him spar around, and they're thinking, oh, they're trying it on. And Bruce is giving him a bit of a lesson. It wasn't, you know,
1: yeah. plus,
2: plus, plus, plus. When you think about it, Golden Harvest, now they've invested a lot into this now. They're, they're on the brink of bankruptcy, and Chaplin Chang told me that when I done the uh, when I, when yeah. I met Chaplin. He, he said to me, he said, listen, without, just before Bruce when I signed Bruce up, they was on, the, they was out, actually. they were bankrupt virtually, and Bruce saved them, so you, going back to the big boss, you know, now they're everything, yeah, yeah. Bruce Lee, I hope this works, if this doesn't work, we're knackered, you know, Yeah. yeah. Well, so, they've got to really bump this film up, so they're obviously in the press, yeah, Bruce has been tough on his, Thai thugs, and Bruce is, boom, you know, he's teaching them a lesson, you know, our Chinese hero, you know so he's getting a bit bumped up, you know. So I said to you know, any funny stories? He said, well, do you know what? The funny one was, there was three things, but the one, I'll tell one of them anyway. Yeah, yeah. He said, one day, so we're on set. Someone said to Bruce, oh, you know, can you show us the power in your kick? He said, well, I already, I, I already knew how powerful he was because I'd done a bit of training with him. And I was like, you know, okay. So Bruce says to me, hold this pad. So that's some sort of padding or something. I don't know, it must be a makeshift one or something. Yeah. And Bruce said... Get three of your friends to stand behind you and hold you. So there's four of them now, right? They're all bracing themselves like this, you know? He said, "Me, I'm at the bloody front, and I'm at the front. <laughs> oh, shit, I'm going to get the kick You <laughs> know, said, I'm standing there. Is that the he's? But not in a not in a cockney accent. I no, think. obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's standing there and he's holding this. He said, I'm holding. I'm, I'm tensing like this. I'm tensing, I'm tensing my arms. And Bruce is in front of me. Typical, typical Bruce Lee. As you see him in the film, he's going. <laughs> like, he's, like, he's like this, you know, he's like staring at me like this, waving his arms like this. He's, I'm tense in my arms, and I'm thinking, come on, Bruce, hurry up. My arms are killing me. He said, it must have been 20, 30 seconds. He said, is he going to do this or not? He said, just for a split second, I went and relaxed. And that's what Bruce yeah. was waiting for. Bruce come. <laughs> boom! He said, i flying up in the air, and and the three stuntmen went flying up in, all four of us, flying in the air. <laughs> bang! Bruce runs over and goes, you OK? He went, yeah, yeah, I'm OK, I'm OK. He said, do you know why you're okay? He says, because you relaxed.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah now, that
2: said, was lesson. He said, if you stunt stuntmen, he said, you're too rough with each other. You're hitting each other. You're hurting each other. He says, go with a punch when you're, when you're doing the fight scenes. Relax. You won't get hurt. Because yeah. he was all macho, macho. So it was a lesson that Bruce taught him, you know, and, um, Brilliant. there was loads of little stories and stuff like that. Was, so that was a real fine, you know, no one yeah. had that has felt before. And, um, it was a great addition to the to, to that part of the book. book. Which, yeah. incidentally, going back to what I said at the beginning about a big boss book, it's not really a big boss book, but it's going to get interpreted that forever and a day because the majority of it is the big boss period. Do you know what? I didn't even know
1: it was. All I knew because obviously it says Bruce Lee Mandarin Superstar, so I was intrigued just by the title. It didn't it didn't say big boss. So you know what? People might interpret it in different ways anyway from what you've described about it. So that makes it really interesting. And because it's got the big boss in there and it's around that period, you know, but what you've described so far, it's just, like I say, it'll it'll be a journey for the reader as well. I've only got a couple more things for you and obviously I really appreciate your time today. Um, Future publications, what have you got coming? I've seen something intercepting Fist perhaps that's coming, is it? Is that next on on the hit list um, we can look
2: out this. This is something me and Darren are going to be working on when we start working on it. Yeah. And it's the, basically the same following from the Insect, Sorry, from the Man and Superstar. Right, okay. Cover the Fist of Fury period. Yeah. Leaned up just before the Way of the Dragon.
1: Brilliant. Okay.
2: So that'll yep. cover quite a bit. But, you know, we don't rush these things. These things, that, yeah. all right, knock them out in, in a month But and just get out there and take your money. No, I'm not to really no. into that. To no. Me, if I earn any money out of it, to me, lovely. But it's got to have something with substance. It's got to be, and a quick buck. Sometime. Yeah,
1: exactly. No, and 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 you and you can, you can tell from the quality of it. Like I say, for me as a fan and stuff, you know, I I, I want to say thank you to you because you know some of the stuff I've I've never seen. So no. you know it's marvelous for fans to see all that because, like I say, I remember as a kid, you know, thirteen-year-old me and my mates just scraping any any picture we could find, any and obviously VHS was around, so we you know we used to copy the the episodes of Ironside and Marlowe and Enter the Dragon. Yeah. I've got the I've got the nunchuckers, don't worry, I've got it, I've got it on tape. You know, we used to do that, and and now look, the the publications you've given us are fantastic. So, um. One um, final thing for me, and I do it with all my guests, is um, the Eastern Film Fans question. Here it yep. is. Right. So if you're stuck on a desert island and you can only take <laughs> three films with you, <laughs> it can be any genre of film, what three would you take?
2: Uh, Hard Day's Night by the Beatles. Nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> King Creole.
1: King oh, oh, interesting. always fan. I like it. Go on then. One more. <laughs> um, oh well, it's
2: got to be a Bruce Lee film, I suppose. Yeah, isn't it? you know it. You know it. <laughs> Do you know what? So that's a real hard one because I haven't really got my favourite film really. I've got. a like them all for different reasons, but it's yeah, yeah. I suppose you could say you. You've, you've got to say, I suppose, *Way of the Dragon*, because it's the film that. You know, that was more Bruce Lee than any other film, really. Yeah, exactly. Lee. That was more like the real Bruce Lee, yeah. with the humour and the, you know, the so forth, you know. And,
1: and, and thank you, like I say, I've st- had... St- Wait, you might change it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've had a mirage of different responses from, you know, uh, actors like uh, uh, directors Benny Chan come out with Titanic, and I think Batman he had. Um, Scott Adkins did Enter the Dragon. And, and like I say, people come up with different ones and different passions and stuff. I'm glad mm-hmm. you threw a Bruce Lee one in. Um, I think we're all happy about that. It's a main thing. <laughs> I, I could I could carry on talking to you for hours and hours, but like I say, you know, um, I've really appreciated the time today, and I know you're a busy man. So I really want to thank you for your time because, like I say, it's been a, it's been a real uh, it's, pleasure it's for me. Been a pleasure.
2: It's been a pleasure
1: for me. Thank you very much for that.
2: No one, no one normally talks to me, so it's been quite
1: nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Well, you know, if we ever get a chance, like I say, um, I'd like to come down and um, and visit yeah. um, uh, and welcome. we can talk some more and do some more because, like I say, uh, I'm sure you've got a plethora of stuff we could uh, I could yeah. geek out on, which would be marvellous. So, yeah.
2: You're welcome to come down and uh, spend a day. Thanks, mate. uh, We can watch King Creole. (laughs) And we can watch King Creole, yeah. I haven't seen
1: that. (laughs) King Creole in the background. What did you do? Spent all day with uh, Steve Kimmich watching King Creole. Oh, I'm going to put that back on. I love it. Steve, thank you very much for your time.
0: So, that was it. I hope you enjoyed. I was very much appreciative of uh, Steve's time and uh, and Steve's conversation, really. I I got to sit back and, uh, you know, listen to people who are very, very passionate about this particular subject. And I am as well. And, I mean, there there was no need to bring it up in conversation, but I I really like, um, from my part, I really like the fact that his focus on Way of the Dragon resulted in, in, in a book. It might result in another. And for me it's a movie like in transition it's not a perfect movie but it's iconic and then some in many many sections of it and i always say that considering how game of death was shaping up i think he was gonna take a major leap from wave the dragon and and into what never became the finalized game of death you know what i mean like conceptually he was really onto something already so he could afford to be to to make in my eyes a somewhat clunky movie in the case of *Way the Dragon but boy is it iconic in so many sections and uh, to have a book dedicated to it is fabulous and, and some. so uh, I'm really happy to hear that so thanks again Phil for setting it up thanks to Steve for uh, taking the time and I uh, hope you all enjoyed the chat and final words before we do some minor contact information and plugging in and get the hell out of here
1: no, no. Again, no. I want to thank uh, Steve for taking time out. Um, like I say, uh I want to thank Ken for just letting me, Steve, rattle. Um, like I say, it was it was a uh, passionate and I and I really loved it. I want to thank uh, Ricky Baker, um, his Heroes for uh, setting that up as well. So thank you, Ricky. And um, yeah, I I hope you I hope you enjoyed it. And um, you never know, we might get to uh, find some more out about him and interview him uh, later on in the year again. But uh, for now, that was um. That was, uh, I'm inspired. Uh, I'm inspired going forward, so it was great.
0: And then afterwards, when, when this is done, uh, like when you hang up, and uh, the, the wife will call like, uh, g- get to work on those IKEA shelves, man.
1: <laughs> you to, you?
0: They're not going to assemble themselves. like. And then f-
1: Back down to earth. Uh, exactly. Yeah, but I'll be doing it with such gusto, Ken. Such gusto. Damn, right. Yeah
0: at any rate uh, for all your podcast on fire network needs go to podcastonfire.com and the show post for any relevant links connected to these episodes including this episode including where to buy the books in question that are out by by steve so that is it i've been can uh, kind of be um sort of merely podcast producer and not uh, here uh, here uh, uh, available uh, as a voice presence but i greatly enjoyed it hope you did too and uh, that's me out so phil uh, take us out say goodbye and uh, thank you again for uh, for getting this done
1: yeah thanks Ken appreciate it um, thanks all hope you enjoyed and um, we shall be back real soon Phil
0: G will return in another interview <laughs> Un- unnamed interview
1: yeah